Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Um, Real quick, let me ask you a question as we dive into part um, three of this series. How many of you are on Instagram? Like, I don't mean like right now on Instagram. Some of you are right now on Instagram um, and like half listening to me, but just like in general on Instagram. So here's like the problem with Instagram, like big fan at some level, but the problem with Instagram is before Instagram, you really never cared about anybody else's vacations. In fact, like when they came back and wanted to show you pictures, that was like you didn't want to do it and you were maybe polite and saw it, but it was, it was horrendous. So like, but then after Instagram, it's like, you know where everybody's traveling all the time, you know, about everything they did, all the places they ate. Um, and before that, like, I never cared. You never cared. Like I, I, your kids are awesome, but like you never thought about other people's cute kids and what they wore and where they went. It's just like, whatever. You never gave it a single thought. Um, like you never cared about, shoes. Like I didn't care as much about shoes and now I have more shoes than um, Nicole has. And I don't know if that's because of Instagram, but like, I just didn't care. I didn't care about preachers with overpriced sneakers, but there is an Instagram account for that. Like I just didn't care. You didn't care about shiplap and now you got to have it in your dining room. Like there's all kinds of stuff you didn't give thought to, you didn't care about, you didn't even know existed. And now not only did you just find out it existed, but you want it. And like you end up comparing yourself to everybody else. And it's why a lot of you, a lot of us, you get to the point where like, I just quit the whole thing. And I love when other people make big announcements on social media, they're quitting social media as if it's a big deal in my life. Um, you can just quit and not tell anybody. We really don't care. We're not following you that closely. But you know, you're just like, I quit, I'm getting off social media and there's a huge like four paragraphs of why. And I get it, I understand. But then you, a lot of times backtrack, like a week later you show back up after your big dramatic announcement because you're like, I'm not a quitter. Like, I don't quit that easy. So I'm going to get back on, but this time I'm, I'm going to really work. And you never say this, it's just subconscious. I'm going to make you as discontent with your life as you have made me with mine. So you like double down to like, okay, I was a little off my game before, so I'm going to make sure this time I edit a little better, I curate a little better, I crop a little better, I take it a few more times, I yell at my kids a few more times until we get it right, because we're not going to give up that easy, and then I'm going to make you as discontent with your life as you have made me with mine by showing you my highlight reel. And everybody is looking at everybody else. Can anybody relate to that? Any, anywhere, and then you get to this place to recognize the fact that, and this is just true across every religious um, boundary, is there is really no win in comparison to quote Andy Stanley. Like there's just nothing good that's coming out of it. I don't care how hard you try, comparison is a no win and it's not leading you any place that's any good. So I'll come back to that. The series has all been about this idea that like we all have this propensity to make ourselves our own worst enemy. And this is one of the things that I think the enemy uses more than anything else to pit us against ourselves. But all of us become our own worst enemy. We've said this throughout the series. 
you have um, probably a pretty long list of decisions that you've made, you look back on and go, why did I do that? Like, why did I undermine my own happiness? Why did I undermine my own fulfillment? Why did I get in my own way? And yes, we've been hurt by other people a lot, but we've also made a ton of decisions where we have let ourselves down, maybe more than anybody else has let us down. And really the underlying question we're answering through the series is this. How do you say no? How do I say no? How do we say no to the emotions that compete for control? Because in the majority of cases where we go off the rails and we make a decision where we make ourselves our own worst enemy, it's because there is an emotion on the inside that we have not learned to deal with, to confront, and ultimately to root out. Jesus said it best when he said this, Matthew 15, 17. He's talking to his guys one day and he's confusing them. They had to get the cliff notes later, but he's like, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, out of the body? Disciples are like, we get that. Verse 18, Jesus says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, those come from the heart. And this is not a big deal to us, it's a big deal to them. And Jesus is like, and that is what defiles a person. And literally what Jesus is saying that we've said in this series is some accidental breach in religious conduct or religious rules, that's not a big deal to God. That's not what God is most concerned about, which is what the Pharisees, the religious leaders in the first century were concerned about. God's like, I'm much more concerned with stuff that's going on in your heart that generally makes its way through your mouth and ultimately impacts your decisions and circumstances and behaviors that then impact other people. And Jesus is like, and that's why this is a big deal. Your accidental breach in religious conduct and rules and you didn't say the right thing, do the right thing, just in terms of religious tradition, not a big deal. But when stuff comes out of your mouth and behaviors start to emanate that impact other people, that's what defiles you or literally puts you at odds with God because it puts you at odds with other people. And what God cares about most is other people. And then he says this in verse 19, just to break it down for them, because out of the heart, and it took us a long time to catch up with what Jesus wrote 2000 years ago, but he's like, out of the heart, that place where all of your emotions and all that stuff, your soul, that inner part of you that maybe nobody else knows about. He's like, stuff starts in your thinking, emotions start that aren't dealt with that ultimately lead to murder and adultery and sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. And Jesus is like, it's all emanating from within. Like you, you and I have the propensity to be our own worst enemy. And there's those moments where we wanna push back and go, well, I didn't mean to say that. Or like, I didn't mean to do that. Or I'm not sure where that came from. Because we are so used to our sophisticated monitoring and filtering systems, but then every once in a while, it's maybe the realest part of us, we say something, we do something that's out of character, and Jesus steps in to go, I know this is uncomfortable, but that's maybe the truest thing about you because it reflects something that is going on on the inside of you. And most of the time, you are socially more aware to not let it out. But every once in a while, it slips through the filter. And so what I wanna teach you to do, Jesus would say, is I want you to monitor the stuff on the inside before it gets to the outside and impacts every area of your life. And not only does it make you your own worst enemy and sabotage your future, you just need to mark this down. It always hurts other people around you. And so last week we dealt with the whole issue of guilt. One of the greatest enemies from within that if it's not dealt with, you carry from season to season to season and it destroys a whole lot of things. I don't really need to tell you that. And then this week, I wanna deal with this whole subject of envy. And I love the word envy because I feel like it's got a little more weight than jealousy because as soon as you talk about jealousy, you start to think that's some kind of middle school thing. And, but th this, like envy, jealousy, whatever you wanna call it, like it's following us into every season of our life. And like, here's just one of the uncomfortable, like you don't wanna tell anybody this, but I bet you've had the moment 
And this is like, you didn't choose to do this, it just happened. Where you hear about somebody else's failure and your first response is, kind of had that coming. Like there's this thing inside of you where you're like, you're never gonna let it out, but you're like, yes. And you, you literally, come on, like if this doesn't reveal the fact there's something jacked up about humanity, you literally, and this is not your enemy, I'm talking about maybe somebody that you actually at some level would call friend and you're like celebrating their failure and then hopefully you catch yourself quick enough to go like, what is that in me? But there's this thing that has the propensity to grow on the inside of us and it is so bad, you get to a place where you're celebrating the failure of other people, like what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with us? King Solomon said at Bethman, he, he, he held nothing back when he wrote this in Proverbs 1430. And he said this, envy, let me just be straight with you. It rots your bones. Like, I don't know how else I can say it. Like, you know this, envy ultimately puts you in this position where you start competing with people that you are not even in competition with. And then worse, they don't know that you're in competition with them. They just think you're weird or sometimes a jerk, or isolated, or distanced, but it puts you in competition with other people who don't even know that there's a competition, and there's two kind of sides to this, and both of them are bad. Number one, you just end up arrogant, because if you get to a place where you're winning in some area, you've been successful in some area, you're in this competition they didn't know was going on, and you kind of beat them to whatever the finish line is that, by the way, always moves, you just get arrogant and impossible to be around, and then the downside, or the other side of it is, you just become disappointed. Because the other side of not achieving, not beating them out, not getting the promotion first is you become disappointed because you're not winning. You haven't been successful. It didn't work out. They've achieved more. And the whole thing leaves you in a place where you start making decisions and you start doing things and utilizing your time that is not even best for your life, but you're in competition with somebody. And they don't even know that you're in competition with. So this is really the bottom line and we could really pray after this because there's not a lot more to be said. Just knock it off. But it, like, it's not that easy. Like you look at that and if we have like a second to stop and analyze, you're like, yeah, it's like, it's not good. It's not leading me anywhere good. It's not ultimately gonna be beneficial for my life, but it's, it, it's not that easy. But here's the thing that I wanna talk about for a couple minutes, because I think this is complex, but here's what I know. That this insidious thing on the inside of us, and I, again, I think this is everybody. If you're listening or watching and you're investigating Jesus, or you're not sure about the church, or your experience has been terrible, and um, a lot of crazy stuff has been done, which I just apologize for all of the church, for a lot of you, um, or you're in a place where you're just trying to kind of figure things out. This is everybody. This is just a human emotion, but here's what I know, and here's the hope, regardless of where you're at with the Jesus thing. You do not have to be controlled by it, you do not have to be ruled by it. And ultimately it does not have to steal your joy and steal your peace. But here's the thing I would say is that I don't think envy is simply a problem to be solved. That's why I can't say, let's well, just knock it off and get out of here and, and just you know, get things right. It, it's a tension to be managed. Because all the way back in the Garden of Eden, which again, that may be crazy to you, but Jesus referenced it. So go with the dead guy that came back to life. And in the Garden of Eden, sin entered the world and immediately coupled with sin was this threat of insecurity that would follow all of humanity. Like it's not going away this side of heaven and all that God has for us, but it is a tension to be managed. So Solomon, the guy just quoted, steps into all of that. And he actually explains the tension so unbelievably well. I love this writing. And then what he does, I think is so important, he literally gives us a place to go mentally 
When we start to go off the rails and the emotion starts to, to crop up, we start to think something about somebody else. We start to have imaginary conversations with somebody else. You ever done that? And you're like, there's usually a crowd and somebody is tweeting you because it's so amazing. You're able to say exactly what you wanna say when you wanna say it. And, and all that stuff that you start to go in that direction, Solomon's like, there's a place to go when you start drifting toward envy and discontentment. And then he paints this incredible picture. And he's like, listen, if you begin to, to just embrace this, you will regain balance in your life. Because here's what we said last week. All of those enemies from within that are originating inside of you that ultimately make you your own worst enemy, they all cause you to be off balance in life. It'll, it'll cause you to parent with a limp, to, to function in marriage off balance. You'll make decisions that aren't even in your best interest. You'll do things that you'll look back on and wonder what in the world was happening because those emotions begin to take control and distort reality. And he's like, all of it leads you, whether it's guilt, whether it's envy, whether it's jealousy, whether it's fear, whether it's lust, it all throws you off balance. But Solomon's like, there is a place to go mentally. There is a way to manage this tension so you regain balance in your life. And here's what he says, Ecclesiastes 4.4. Solomon said, I saw that all toil and all achievement, by the way, just quick pause. Solomon was the guy basically that had more achievement than anybody, maybe ever, but more than anybody in his time frame. He had more success than anybody. He had more money than anybody. He had more women than anybody. Basically, he did this case study to go, I'm gonna get everything I possibly can and then just see what happens, see what it's worth. And literally, Solomon, his generation, he was the only one that could do that. In fact, everybody who's listening and watching, I guarantee you, you're never gonna be able to do what Solomon did. We always have this idea there's another another carrot to chase. Solomon chased down all the carrots. And then at the end of it, he wrote about his study and he says this, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. So literally Solomon's like 3000 years ago, same stuff was happening. Everybody was comparing themselves to everybody else. 3000 years later, nothing has changed. We've not evolved. All the same stuff is happening. And then he says this, and this too is meaningless. And then he gives this unbelievably powerful picture. And I'm hoping like some of these words might ingrain themselves into your mind because I love how he describes this. He says, verse four, I saw that all toil, all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I love that. Literally, he's like, listen, there's no end to it. There's no finish line to it. And there's no peace. Like you will never chase down peace living your life this way. You will never ultimately get to the benchmark that you think is the benchmark. Because one of the things about envy, it, in a sense, it's an appetite. And the appetite constantly grows because there's always more to chase. Like hers is newer, his is better, it's bigger, it's faster, they're smarter, they've accomplished more. And so you think you're getting to the place. Come on, some of you have already had this experience. Like you're old enough to where you've achieved some of the things that were on your list of if I could just get to this point and you got to that point and it's a moving target. And Solomon's like, listen, it's a chasing after the wind because there's always more. Literally, I think this is my paraphrase of Solomon's words, dissatisfaction is guaranteed. Like that's ultimately where it's gonna lead you because here's the deal. Come on, just listen to me for a second. Envy always steals the joy out of all of your accomplishments. You never enjoy anything because there's already somebody who's already done it. 
There's always somebody who's already accomplished this. There's always someone who's already gotten there. And so Solomon's like, listen, when you catch yourself looking and drifting into somebody else's lane and you can't even enjoy what you have or what you've accomplished because you just start looking at somebody else or the fact that they already got there or they got there fit quicker, you just need to stop and pause and go, listen, envy is insidious. It's not something like, oh, that's cute. It will destroy your life and I am not going to be my own worst enemy because Solomon is right. It's chasing the wind and I'll chase the wind. I'm not living my life like that. That's sideways energy. It's a waste of my time and I will not waste my life chasing the wind. It is not gonna be beneficial in any way and literally I will make decisions that will destroy me and destroy other people. But here's the thing that Solomon's not saying. This is really, really important. Solomon's not saying, hey, this is an invitation to passivity. Like all of you type A, they're like, uh. Solomon accomplished more in his generation than anybody else accomplished in his generation. So here's what he says. He kind of puts these dynamics together. Verse five, he said, fools fold their hands and ruin, them, ruin themselves. He's like, I'm not inviting you to be non-productive. I'm not in, like, whatever, not, to, not a big deal, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like just kind of like this emo attitude, like whatever. Solomon's like, that's not the invitation. And then he brings the two extremes together and says this. I'm not saying that you live this life where you're constantly chasing something and running something down that doesn't even really exist. And I'm not saying that you just say whatever, not productive. God's given you a destiny for your life. So he, here's what I would say, verse six. Solomon says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's the point. It's better to live your life and it's better to find this out before it's too late and you wish you could go back three decades. It's better, better to live your life with less than to have more and your more is filled with hurry. Your more is filled with anxiety your more is filled with this complete loss of yourself. This more is filled with the fact that you can never really rest in your soul. There's never any ability to enjoy anything that God has placed around you. And he's like, listen, literally tranquility just means you, you, satisfaction and contentment. And he's like, it is better to have less and run the race that I have given you than to actually accomplish more, have more degrees, have more money, and you never find peace, you never find contentment. And in a lot of cases, you sever the relationships that matter most in your life. And listen, in our culture, it's like, well, you know, more is better, more is better, more is better. But we never consider the fact that chasing more actually leads to wanting more. And for a lot of us, because it's based on what everybody else has, in the end, we didn't even want the more. And here's what you have to understand. This is a whole nother message, but there is always a price associated with more. Like even the stuff you buy, you buy something that actually is more time. It's more effort. In a lot of cases, it's more anxiety. You got to keep it clean. You got to tune it. You got to whatever. There's always achievement. There is a price with that. Leadership, there's a price with that. There is always baggage that comes with anything. And for some of us, we've actually gotten into lanes in our life that isn't even our lane. And we're trying to achieve things and get things and purchase things and keep up with people. And it's not even what God has for our life. And we're in this place where we've gotten more, but we're miserable. And so Solomon's point is, hey, less is more when it actually leads to contentment because the result is peace. And here's the thing, and I say this all the time, the chief end that all of us are pursuing, whether we know it or not, is we want a life that's characterized by peace. 
We want a life that's characterized by peace where we, we're at peace with ourselves, first of all. We're at peace with God. And then ultimately we're at peace with other people around us. And he's like, it's better to have one handful with tranquility where you're running the race that God has given you rather than grasping and striving and pretending and editing and curating. He's like, that life sucks. And you'll get to the end and you'll wish that you had had the wisdom in this moment to go, I'm not gonna look to, to the right or the left in front of me or behind me anymore. I'm not going to run that race because it's not even my race. Like for some of you, legit. It's why you got off of social media, right? Because like you would just get on every day and you just start scrolling, start scrolling. You're like, my life sucks, my life sucks, my life sucks. My, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm done with it. Like I just don't wanna do it anymore. And here's what I would tell you. And social media is great. That's not my point. It's just an easy thing. But, but here's what I would tell you. Anything in your life that stirs discontentment, you should just get rid of it. You just get rid of it. it. It amazes me the crap that we hang on to that's destroying our life. But for some reason, it's become such, big, such a big deal. Like you can't do without Facebook in your life. Are you serious? So whatever it is, and it doesn't have to be social media, but if there is anything that is stirring discontentment and robbing you of peace, you should get rid of it today without a second thought. Not because like, God really cares. God cares about your peace. God doesn't care if you're on social media or what you read. God cares about, is it leading you to, into a place where you're able to run the race that I've given you? You're able to live with contentment. And if there is anything that is getting in the way of that, it is an enemy and you're becoming your own worst enemy and you should do everything that you can to run from it. And so then he says this, verse seven. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun, which, and what he's saying in this, most people misinterpret Ecclesiastes. He's not saying that everything in the world is meaningless. He's saying, if this is all there is under the sun, and if we're doing everything based off of comparison to everybody else, that's meaningless. But the moment you get off of that treadmill, nothing is meaningless. And meaning everything has purpose. Everything is unbelievably valuable. Everything is spiritual. You're living in this place where God has a destiny for your life that's gonna last forever. So everything is not meaningless, but it is meaningless if this is all there is and chasing this and trying to outdo them, that is absolutely worthless. So he says, everything I saw under the sun, verse eight, and then there was a man all alone and he had neither son nor brother, meaning literally the man couldn't leave his estate to anybody after he died. He had nobody to pass off all the stuff that he had achieved and accumulated. So end of verse eight, he says, so there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes, this is so powerful, were not content with his wealth. Meaning, like he, he just at some point stopped because there was never any contentment and it's a guy who had achieved over and over and over and over again. Like he had accomplished his goal list. But then he stops and he does what was so incredibly important for him and I think maybe important for a lot of us and he, he asks himself this question and this is such a huge question. He says this, for whom am I toiling? Like this is just a good question to stop at some point and hit pause on everything and just ask. For whom am I toiling? Literally, why am I doing this? Like, I don't know if I've ever stopped to ask this. Like I've just achieved, I've went after, I've, I've gone for it. Like I'm type A, I'm motivated. Like, but why am I doing this? Or maybe better question, what am I trying to prove? No, actually better question. Whom am I trying to prove it to? Like, have I ever stopped to ask that question? Have I ever stopped to evaluate? And come on, I'm not trying to dig up a bunch of emotion, but for some of you, you're competing with other people who don't know there's a competition. You're competing with the father. 
You're competing with a mother. You're competing with a brother or a sister or an in-law. Some of you are competing with people who aren't even alive any longer, but you're still making decisions based off of some kind of effort to gain their approval and they don't even know it or they're not even around to give it to you. And you've got to stop and just ask the question, for whom am I toiling? What am I trying to prove? And if I ever stop to look at maybe not my whole life, but a segment of my life or, or this one relationship and go like, what am I trying to prove and why am I trying to prove it to them? And, and like, what's so important about all of this? And then he says this, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Like literally this guy gets to a place in his life where he has so much and he's like, I don't enjoy any of it. I can never rest. I'm never at peace. I'm always on to the next thing. He's like, I, I don't enjoy any of what I have. And his point is, I don't really know why. And some of you are at a place, and I'm speaking to you right now. So I, you're in this place where you keep going, you keep going. You even hit some of the benchmarks that you're after and you're not enjoying anything in your life. And you're at the exact same place because you don't really know why. You don't really know why you're not enjoying where you are. And so then Solomon ends this section this way. He says this, this too is meaningless. And I love this language, a miserable business. Like it is all meaningless if that's how you're living your life. It is a miserable business. It's not worth it. There's gonna be a lot of regret. So here's what I'd say if you're not a Jesus follower. And again, I'm so glad you're listening and tuning in. And there's so much genuine respect for you if you're kind of on that, that lane of investigating. But here, here's the point to you, because this applies to you. You will never be, if I could just kind of put it in your language, you will never be who you were born to be as long as you are looking over your shoulder at somebody else. You will never accomplish all that you were intended to accomplish as long as you are looking over your shoulder at something else, at somebody else. And then I would say this to Jesus followers because I think there's even a greater weight to this if you have decided to follow Jesus. You will never experience God's purpose for your life as long as you are distracted by God's purpose for somebody else's life. Here's the first part of the verse that I quoted earlier from Solomon. He said this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots your bones. Like a heart at peace gives life to the body. Literally, life is equated with peace. And if you find peace, no matter what you accomplish or how many degrees or how much money or how fat your 401k is, you will get to the end of your life and your life will have been worth living. And I know this because I've had the advantage of sitting next to the bedsides of lots of 80 year old people who are about to pass into eternity. And this is the thing that matters most in the end. They're not talking about any of their accomplishments or how much money they have or how much money they're leaving. If they lived a life where they're at the end going, I'm at peace with me, I'm at peace with other people. I went after the things that mattered most and I didn't really worry about what anybody else was doing. And so I'm okay, I'm good, I'm content. I learned to find fulfillment. That is a life well lived. And that's exactly what Solomon's saying. A heart at peace, that's what everybody's after. That is life. But you live your life consumed by envy from the inside out, which is where a lot of us are, it will rot your bones and you will be miserable and you will become your own worst enemy. In essence, you can't compare and compete your way to peace. It's never gonna happen. And you can't win at anything in your life, chasing the win. 
And come on, I know that you've heard this, but you just need to listen for a second. Like if, if you're in this place, in this lane that God has designed for you and you're starting to step out into somebody else's lane and it looks so attractive and you're so intimidated and you wanna keep up and you wanna outdo, I'm just telling you, you, you've got to learn to start to spot that lie because you weren't designed to live in their lane and you'll get there and you'll put forth all of the effort and you will strive and you will move and you will try to grab a hold of and you'll try to achieve and just mark it down before you get there. This is a prediction 20 years from now. You'll never enjoy any of it. You'll never have any peace. God has given you a race to run. The scripture is so clear. Get in your lane and stay there and run the race that God has for you. And listen, change people's lives from that lane and you will get to the end and you will find fulfillment and you will find contentment and you will find peace. And Jesus all throughout the New Testament is like, that is where life is found. Don't look to your right and left in front of you and behind you. Don't live another day in your life looking like that. Like look to other people for inspiration, but not for competition and imitation. Like be inspired by the nerd side of me. I watch more documentaries than you can imagine. Be inspired. You watch a documentary, read a biography. You look at the lives of other people and I don't have to imitate that, but I'm gonna be inspired by that because I know God has something for my life. And then when I can't participate in something, I'm gonna celebrate it. And come on, I'm gonna celebrate it whether I feel it or not. Come on, in our culture, we have been so programmed and this is one of the deadliest lies that we fall under that we have to feel everything in order to do everything. Nothing could be further from the truth. Truth, you just need to start celebrating things before you feel them because your thinking, actions and behavior ultimately will lead your emotions. And for many of you, you are so led and commanded by your emotions, you never do anything. But the moment you go, I'm not gonna be led and commanded by my emotions. I'm gonna do what I know to do, which means I'm gonna celebrate you even if I don't feel it because ultimately that will direct my emotions, which means there may be somebody right now that you actually care about that you're in competition with. And one of the ways that you break the power of envy is just to start to celebrate their success. So you write her a letter congratulating her on why you hate her. Like you write him a letter, send him a, a text. Do, you, you congratulate him on why you hate him right now. And it's not his fault. It's not her fault. It has everything to do with what's going on on the inside of you. But you have to begin to break the power of what has the propensity to make you your own enemy. I love what Jordan Peterson, Peterson said in the 12 rules of life. He said this, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. And come on, can, can we just come around this idea of like, we're constantly judging what we don't know about. Number one, nobody's life is as good as it looks. And number two, some of the things that you want to achieve or you have no idea the price tag that came with that. And then number three or wherever I'm at, like, like the other thing that you have to recognize is this, is that some people are at the end of a chapter, you're at the beginning of a chapter and you're pre, pre, you are comparing your beginning of a chapter to somebody else's end of a chapter. And you may get to all of those things, but God doesn't have that for you right now. And he's like, listen, compare yourself to where you were yesterday, not to where somebody else is today or to put it in old school language. Count your blessings, not your neighbor's. Like, don't miss the life that God has for you, for real. Don't miss what God has for you because you will never experience life to the full until you fully embrace the life that God has given you. Like, 
I think one of the things that envy can actually turn into, just like guilt can become a pivot point as we looked at last week to actually lead you to worship, to go, man, it's amazing what God has done. I wanna give that to other people. I wanna go love the unlovable and I wanna go forgive the unforgivable. The same is true of envy in that the very thing that made you your own worst enemy can become an incredible pivot point to gratitude and thankfulness and worship for all that God has done in your life. And this is a whole nother message, but I'm just telling you, gratitude and thankfulness is an act of the will that anybody can do that has the power to change the trajectory of all of their emotions. And some of you are way too much up in your emotions. And you need to get up and start the practice, whatever that is, whether it's journaling or whether it's just getting outside or getting alone and just go, like, am I aware of all that God has given me? Like, it is unbelievable to me, specifically those in the United States, most of the people that I'm talking to are in the top 10% of wage earners in the entire world. Like most of you have problems that the rest of the world wishes they had. And I know that there's difficult stuff that so many of us are working through, but I'm just telling you, there's stuff right now that, that where you are tempted to be envy, it can actually become a pivot point. Do, like, do, you, do I recognize all that God has done, all that God has given me, all the way, ways that God has blessed me? It's why during this season, it's so difficult for many of us. Like for some of us, yes, it's difficult, but the sole purpose of our life in this season has been to get to this thing where everything becomes better. And my only fear in that is we're missing all that God is doing along the way in all the ways that we could be grateful right here and right now. Because listen, we want some things to change, but you're never going to get this moment back. You're never going to parent your kids again in the season. You're never going to get the season of marriage back again. So make sure that you push toward the future. And yes, things are difficult. And yes, I want things to change. But I recognize that God's doing something right here, right now. And I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to enjoy it. And when I'm tempted to envy and look to somebody else, I'm using it as a catalyst to lead me to gratitude. And it has the power to change your emotions and redirect you so that every time your emotions drift, every time your thinking starts to drift, you just stop and go, listen, when I'm tempted to compare, I'm going to stop and declare this. Envy, you will not make me my own worst enemy. Envy, you will not have control over my life. Envy, envy, you are not going to sabotage me any longer and steal my future happiness. Steal me from being present in this season. Steal me from doing all that you're calling me to do right now. Steal me from enjoying all that God has given in my life. I will not chase the wind. Like Jesus was really clear. Don't compare yourself to one another. Love one another. And here's why I say that. You can't compete with someone and love them well at the same time. For a lot of you, the very thing that is the measure of success for your life as a follower of Jesus, you can't do. Because you cannot compete and love at the same time. Listen to me, envy always gets in the way of love and eventually your heart will show. And come on, Jesus could not have been any clearer. It's not optional. Unfortunately, in our generation, it's become optional for many churches. We've settled for sitting in rows and singing songs and learning theology and checking boxes and patting each other on the back. And and in a lot of cases, Jesus looks at that and goes, you honor me with your lips, your hearts are far from me. The test of whether you're following me The test of whether you are one of my disciples is how you love other people, how you love, how you celebrate, how you cheer for, how you care for one another. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's where peace is found. That's where purpose is found. 
that ultimately is where life is found. So I just wanna, I just wanna leave you with these couple questions. Is it possible? And we don't ever think about this. So I'm, my goal is to stir up some emotions that you haven't thought about in a while. And we never admit it. But is, is it possible that envy has made you your own worst enemy? Can I just ask you a couple questions? Why do you have 49 activities for your kids every week? Well, I just want the best for them. Maybe. But maybe there's some stuff in you that you've never dealt with and you're driving your kids crazy. You're like, well, I'm working all these hours for my family. I'm doing it for my family. Really? I mean, they're at the door cheering you on every morning. I mean, maybe that's the case, but why are you really doing this? And for some of you, why is it so important to you? And whom are you doing it for? And for some of you, maybe it's one relationship. It's not every part of your life, but every time you're around him, every time you're around her, every time you're in that environment, that work environment, that small group, there's just this stuff that rises to the surface for you. And it has the ability to make you your own worst enemy. And so Solomon would say this, don't chase the wind. Because here's the thing. If you do what is meaningless for too long, your life becomes meaningless. If you do what is meaningless for too long, your life becomes meaningless. And if you do what is meaningless for too long, you will live a life without any meaning. And so Jesus says, don't chase the wind, follow me. And to paraphrase a quote, I think this is the invitation. Unlike envy, Jesus will make your life better. And unlike envy, Jesus will make you better at life. Envy cannot provide you with that. Envy cannot promise that. Envy will overpromise and will underdeliver every single time. And so for some of you, you just need to confront that thing on the inside that you've never maybe admitted before. You would be embarrassed to tell anybody about it, but you're in competition with other people around you and it's leading you to decisions that are not best for you. And it's leading you into debt that you weren't designed to accumulate. And you're dealing with emotions of discontent and lack of peace that are robbing you of the joy in your life. And you're gonna look back at seasons where you weren't present and you missed all that God wanted to do in that season because rather than getting in your lane and running your race well, you were trying to run somebody else's race and you're gonna get to the end of your life and you're gonna realize so much of it was meaningless. And it's not actually what you wanted. And there's some relationships in your life where God had been calling you to love well and you couldn't because envy got in the way of that. I will not be my own worst enemy. When I am tempted to compare, I'm gonna stop and declare, you will not rule me. You will not have a stronghold over me. You will not sabotage my life. You will not steal my peace. You will not get me running in another lane that is not my lane. I'm gonna run the race that God has for me. And I'm gonna do it in faith that on the other side of it, there's gonna be peace. There's gonna be fulfillment. There's gonna be joy. And there ultimately is going to be success that's gonna matter forever because it's what God had designed for my life and I'm living in that lane. And for some of you, that needs to be your declaration. So wherever you are, would you just pray with me right now? And I wanna encourage you that if you've right now made a decision at any level, 
would you just text CC Decide to 94,000 because we'd love to know about it. We know that God's speaking to people all over this local area, all over the country, all over the world. And we wanna know how God is moving in your life. Text CC Decide to 94,000. I just wanna pray over you right now. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. I thank you for your truth. And Lord, I thank you for this series that I know some of this is uncomfortable and it's stuff that we don't even want to confront. But Lord, I pray that you would recognize that every time you move to stir up some stuff inside of us, it's not to condemn us as we looked at last week. It's not to put us under some weight of condemnation. It's ultimately to free us and lead us to hope and lead us to the future that you have for our life. And Lord, my prayer for so many who are watching and listening is that this would be the moment where you just lead them to freedom. That we'd start running in the lane that you've designed for us in a culture where we're more aware than ever before. And for some of us, it's just killing us. That we'd step out from that and we'd experience, Lord, the beautiful reality of just running the race that you have given us and being able to breathe easy while accomplishing all that you've designed for our life to accomplish. And so I pray that for hundreds, thousands of people right now that you're speaking directly to their hearts. And I'm praying this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.